The scripture for our sermon this morning is John chapter 10, verses 1 through 21. And in the Pew Bibles, or the Bibles that might be in your seats, it's, it's page 1666, 1666. <laughs> Luckily, there's a one in front, of, otherwise it'd be 666, we don't want that. <laughs> the shepherd and his flock, John 10. I tell you the truth, the man who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate, but climbs in by some other way is a thief and a robber. The man who enters by the gate is the shepherd of his sheep. The watchman opens a gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them, and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. Jesus used this figure of speech, but they did not understand what he was telling them. Therefore, Jesus said again, I tell you the truth, I am the gate for the sheep. All who ever came before me were thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. He will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd who owns the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not of the sheep pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice, and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. The reason my Father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it away from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have the authority to lay it down and the authority to take it up again. This command I receive from the Father. At these words, the Jews were again divided. Many of them said, he is a demon-possessed and raving mad. Why listen to him? But others said, these are not the sayings of a man possessed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? Thanks, Bruce. You know, there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of talk lately about what's the the biggest danger and threat to the Christian faith right now in kind of our current cultural moment. And uh, you know, you'll talk to some people, and they'll say the biggest danger and threat to the Christian faith right now is kind of the the shrinking religious freedom that we see um, in our country and. Other people see uh, there's this category of people that they're calling the nuns, 
Not like N-U-N, but N-O-N-E-S. People who say they have no religious affiliation at all. They're not an atheist. They're not an agnostic. They just don't care. And it's like a third of our population right now in the United States. And they say, see, that that's the biggest threat to the Christian faith right now. Other people look at the church across Europe and across North America, and they see this kind of apathy sweeping across the church. And a lot of people who just kind of are like, whatever, I don't really care about my faith, they see that as the most significant threat to the Christian faith. And, and in reality, they're all significant threats to the Christian faith. But I think uh, there's one thing over all of those that's probably the most significant threat. And it's uh, false teaching and false shepherds. Um, and uh, it's actually been the primary threat to the church throughout history. Um, and, and it's increasingly becoming a threat because um, of media. And I'm not talking newspapers. I'm talking about me- like radio, television, uh, social media. Because what it allows is it allows the, the message of false teaching and the message of false shepherds to just be amplified and to go anywhere. And, uh, and what I see so often is that there's this false teaching and false shepherds everywhere, and most people I talk to don't even recognize it as false teaching. That's why it's so dangerous. And I would say as I, as I watch preaching and teaching on YouTube, or I watch preaching and teaching on the television, or I listen to preaching and teaching on the radio, I would say most are false. Um, Not all. There's some really good ones. But most are false. And I realize that's hard um, because um, I know many listen to a lot of TV preaching and a lot of radio preaching and a lot of teachers and preachers on YouTube, but um, I truly believe that the vast majority that I see and listen to are false teachers, and, and they're leading people completely astray. And, uh, and one of the hard parts is, is you watch a lot of these TV preachers, and you'll see that, that their church is like massive, right? They're, they're filling stadiums full of people. And, uh, I mean, 20,000 people showing up for a worship service, and everybody thinks that that looks like success, but in reality, it's just even more devastating because they're leading 20,000 people astray on a weekly basis. And, uh, and then they're broadcasting it all over the internet and television, and so they're leading millions of people astray, and, uh, it is the biggest danger. And it, like I said, it's been from the, from the beginning. You see the Apostle Paul tell this to, to Timothy, who's a pastor in Ephesus. He said, Timothy, the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. And, you know, most people try to kind of... Ass- Put this passage as being in the end times, but it, but it's not just the end times. This is this is throughout history. We've seen the pattern throughout history where God's people will not endure sound teaching. Think about that. They won't endure it. I don't want to listen to sound teaching. I want to hear what I want to hear, and so I'm going to go find somebody who's going to tell me what I want to hear. And then there are people 
who fill stadiums by telling people what their itching ears want them to hear. Um, and they're leading them completely astray. And it's not just a problem in the New Testament. It was a problem in the Old Testament as well. And uh, I'm going to encourage you. I don't have time to read an entire chapter this morning. But I encourage you, go home this afternoon, read Ezekiel 34. Okay, we're going to read a portion of it this morning. But Ezekiel 34 is God rebuking the false shepherds of Israel. And he says this at the beginning. Thus says the Lord God, Ah, shepherds of Israel, you have been feeding yourselves. Should not shepherds feed the sheep? You eat the fat. You clothe yourselves with the wool. You slaughter the fat ones. But you do not feed the sheep. The weak you have not strengthened. The sick you have not healed. The injured you have not bound up. The strayed you have not brought back. The lost you have not sought. And with force and harshness you have ruled them. So the sheep were scattered because there was no shepherd and they became food for all the wild beasts. My sheep were scattered. They they wandered over all the mountains and on every high hill. My sheep were scattered over all the face of the earth with none to search or seek for them. It's a sad picture, isn't it? Um, I would say if we start looking out on the landscape of Christianity right now, would we say that the sheep are scattered? Wandering around lost, seeking someone to lead them and feed them, looking in all the wrong places, and yet when they find someone, they lead them astray and, and says they're being led astray and they're being devoured by wild beasts. Um, it's why John Calvin said this, No plague is more destructive to the church than when wolves ravage under the garb of shepherds. This has always been the primary danger and threat to the Christian church. And yet, one of the things that makes it really difficult for us is that there are a lot of wolves that look like really nice people. They're, they have a good smile, uh, a twinkle in their eye. They're gentle, they're calm, they're patient, they're winsome. Everybody loves them. They're funny, they can make you laugh, they're great speakers. There are many nice wolves. And I, I was thinking, it was actually kind of funny, I, I was watching a show um, a long time ago, this was like a few years ago I'd watched this, and then we ended up watching it again last night, just providentially, where these two guys were trying to come up with a new word to describe something they were seeing, and the new word was sweevil. Um, they said, what do you call it when you see something that's both sweet and evil at the same time? And they said, we're going to call it sweevil. It's a dumb word, and nobody will use it. But, but it's describing a reality we don't have words for. We don't have a word that describes something that's sweet and evil at the same time, and yet that's often how it goes, right? Satan disguises himself as a Disney villain? No, but as an angel of light, as everything you've ever wanted. And so there are some really sweet, nice people who are actually wolves. And they're leading people astray. 
and they're causing people to become devoured. And that's really the primary danger of the church. And, and that's what Jesus is talking about in this passage. He says, Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. And I always find it important for us to remember um, that, that no passage of the Bible is like completely disconnected from everything around it. And, you know, especially passages like this where, you know, we, we love the image of the good shepherd. We've heard it preached a whole bunch of times and the shepherd calling us by name, following him. We, we love that. But we forget that that comes in the same conversation that Jesus was having with the Pharisees about the man who was born blind. Um, Like, John 10 is part of the same story that was told in John 9. And John 9 was connected with John 8. It's all part of the same story. It all has this same kind of a theme. And, And remember, we've been talking in John 8, it was this conversation Jesus was having with people about who's a true disciple and who's not a true disciple. John 9 was this conversation about those who were blind but were, could now see, but those who thought they could see who would continue to be blind, right? And it ends with the Pharisees saying to Jesus, you calling us blind? And Jesus says, yeah, and your guilt remains. And then the very next words out of his mouth are, Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man's a thief and a robber. And he's talking about the Jewish leaders of the day, the Pharisees, who he just said were blind. And he said, you're a thief and you're a robber. And, and he, he describes, he kind of begins to help us understand how to figure out a little bit Who's a thief? Who's a robber? Who's a false shepherd? And he gives this image that does a couple of things. On the one hand, he shows how do they get access to the sheep, right? They don't come in through the gate. They're not given access to the sheep. They, like, force their way in. They, like, sneak in through the back door of the house to get to the sheep, right? They're kind of, like, shouldering their way in to get up in front to lead. But That's part of the image, but as we find out later, Jesus says, I'm the gate. And so what he's saying is, any of these leaders who are trying to get to the sheep apart from him, refusing him as the Messiah, not pointing people to him, um, that person is a thief and a robber. They're a false shepherd. And it's a, this reminder for us that like, a true shepherd is one who's, who's always pointing people to Christ. And uh, there's a lot of shepherds out there, and I'm going to put that in quote, who are making it all about them. Um, and Jesus says, no, if you're making it about you and not me, then you're a thief and a robber. And if you're trying to like force yourself into leadership so that you can kind of make a name for yourself, make it all about you, you're a thief and a robber. He goes on, he says, he was a hired hand, not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. 
The wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he's a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. He says these false shepherds don't actually care about the sheep. They only care about themselves. They're in it for themselves. They're in it just to make a name for themselves, make some money. And so like when trouble comes, they're not going to stick their neck out there for anybody. Because they don't really care about the sheep. So trouble comes, they turn, they run away from the sheep and say, you know what? Let them die. Let them run around on the hills. Let them be scattered. And they may even like stand back and while the wolves and the bears are destroying the flock, they may stand back and say, don't do that. (laughs) But there's no way they're going in there and risking their own life because they don't actually care about the sheep. They only care about themselves. They're false shepherds. And that's why Jesus says, you know, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. This is why this is the primary threat to the church. Because the false shepherds who are thieves and robbers, they come in and they steal and they kill and they destroy. It's not about feeding the sheep. It's about stealing from the sheep, taking sheep. It's not about protecting the sheep. It's about actually using and abusing the sheep for whatever they can. And Jesus says, this is how we should respond. He says, for a true sheep, they will not follow a stranger, but they will run away. They will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of the stranger. Right? True sheep recognize the voice of someone who is a false shepherd, and they run. They don't say, well, I'm going to hang around a little bit and listen. I'm going to hang around the wolf for a little bit. And maybe he's got something good to say. No, they, they, they run. They run away. They don't hang around. They're not intrigued by the false shepherd. They get out of Dodge. Dodge County, maybe. <laughs> um, and... You know, I want to make sure we, we catch the, the parallels between what Jesus is talking about in this Good Shepherd section and what he's been talking about. Remember, as he's saying these things, he's speaking to a, a large group of people still. He's speaking to a group of people who believe in him, truly believe in him. He's speaking to a group of people who claim to believe in him, but don't. And he's speaking to a group of Jewish leaders who have said, we will never believe in you. Right? And in the midst of that, he's teaching, right? And he's already said, all right, if you're a true disciple of mine, you will do what? You'll keep my word. And then you'll be set free and you'll receive eternal life. That, that's what it means. Because you believe in me, you trust in me, you'll keep my word. And he said, anybody who doesn't do that's not, not a true disciple, right? And and last week, he was talking about there are people who are blind in the midst of that, right? Now this week, he's talking about deaf. It's all about a voice. They they hear different voices, and there's some who are not only blind to those realities, but some are deaf to that reality. And so he's looking out at a group and saying, in the midst of this group of people with teachers and 
People who say they're believers, there are some true sheep and there are some false sheep and there are some true shepherds and there are some false shepherds. And he says, and the false sheep are actually going to run away from the true shepherds. Because they're, and they're going to run to the false shepherds because they know their voice and they want to hear them. But the true sheep are going to hear the false shepherds and they're going to run away from them and run to the true shepherd. And, and you know, another way to say all of this that helps us understand kind of the line of reasoning that Jesus has been giving is a true disciple will hear Jesus' voice. And they recognize Jesus' voice. And they recognize that he's the true shepherd. And then they follow him. Which means they're doing what? They're keeping his word. They're abiding in his word. And they'll ignore all those other false shepherds. And they'll actually not just ignore them, but they'll run away from them to follow the shepherd. Which is why Jesus says, you know, the sheep hear the true shepherd's voice. He calls his own sheep by name and he leads them out. When he's brought them up, when he has brought out all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. Right? He says that, that's what it means, that's what it looks like for, to be a true sheep or a true disciple, a true follower. When, when Jesus speaks, uh, somebody used the analogy in something I was reading. The sheep's ears perk up. Have you ever had like a dog or a pet? They hear your voice and all of a sudden they're looking around, right? It says, when Jesus speaks, his true sheep go, I heard him. Where is he? Because you recognize his voice and then you say, I know you. I'm going to follow you wherever you lead me because you're the shepherd. It doesn't matter where you lead. Because you trust him, because you know him, right? Jesus says, I'm the good shepherd. He says, I know my own, and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father. Which is really, right? Think of the way that Jesus the Son knows the Father. They're one, right? One God, one being, three persons, right? Hard to understand, but they're united. They know each other more intimately than anything we have ever known. And he says, and my own know me in the same way. And I know my own in the same way. But notice what he's still doing here, right? He's, he says, my own. Again, pointing out that there are some sheep who claim to be his sheep, but Aren't but the, but the real sheep, his his own sheep. They know him. They hear his voice. They listen and they they follow him. And they follow him wherever he goes because he's the good shepherd, right? And of course you're going to follow the good shepherd, right? Because he's going to lead you to green pastures. Right? He's going to lead you beside quiet waters. He's going to lead you in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And he will lead you through the valley of the shadow of death. And he will lead you in the presence of your enemies. But he will lead you. And and Jesus says, he sets up the contrast. He says, you know, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. He said, I came as a good shepherd that they may have life and have it abundantly. And and one of the big contrasts we see um, in this passage of John and even as you go back and read 
Ezekiel 34, is that these false shepherds are always taking, 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 taking. They want something from you. And Jesus says, I'm not here to take anything from you. I'm here to give you life and to give it abundantly. And he says, because I know that, I know, right, the sheep know that I've come to give them life so that if they follow me, they're going to have life and abundance. And, and when they're following me, I'm leading them away from the false shepherds who are leading them towards stealing, killing, and destruction, right? And uh, in Ezekiel 34, it gives that contrast, right? We see Jesus, or God speaks to the false shepherds and said, you're actually, all you're doing is feeding yourself on the flock. You're like killing the sheep to eat for yourself. But then he promises this in Ezekiel 34. He says, one day I'll set over my people one shepherd, my servant David, and he will feed them. And just in case you missed it, he will feed them and he'll be their shepherd. And I, the Lord, will be their God, and my servant David will be prince among them. I am the Lord. I have spoken. God says to his people way back in Ezekiel 34 that there's all these shepherds out there who are falsely leading my people astray and not feeding my people but feeding on my people like wolves. But one day I will send you one shepherd and he will feed my sheep and he will lead my sheep. And, and what Jesus says, he says, here's how I'm going to feed them. He says, I'm that shepherd that was prophesied. I'm the good shepherd. And the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. That's how we know the good shepherd. All the other false shepherds lay down the life of the sheep so that they could have their own abundant life. But Jesus said, no, I lay down my life so that my sheep can have abundant life. And, and it gets even stronger. He eventually says, he says, for this reason the Father loves me, because I lay down my life, that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I've received from my Father and I think what makes that statement even stronger, it's, it's not Jesus saying that him laying down, like he's just willing to lay down his life for the sheep. He said, actually, that was the plan from the beginning, right? It's the charge I received from my father. And I have the authority to lay it down. Pilate doesn't have the authority to take my life. The Pharisees don't have the authority to take my life. Jesus said it was the plan, and I stepped into it willingly, and as Hebrews tells us, for the joy that was set before him, he stepped in and laid down his life for the sheep. That's what it looks like to be the good shepherd. And, you know, as I was figuring out like some of the ways we can... Uh, some of the questions that this brings up for us, how we can apply this to our life, there's, there's two things that I think, uh, I mean, there's about 500 million questions, I hope, that are running through your mind. But two things I want to um, encourage us to think about over the next, uh, next week. And, and the one is, in the midst of so many false voices, how do we, 
how do we learn to distinguish the voice of the true shepherd? In the midst of so many false shepherds and hearing so many false voices, like how do we figure out which voice is the true is the voice of Jesus speaking through people? And and it's actually a fairly easy answer, right? You have to you have to hear the shepherd's voice over and over and over and over again. And and the most clear way you hear the shepherd's voice is through his word, through through his Bible. You open that thing up and you read it, and it's his voice speaking to you every single day. And and the more you hear his voice, you you just pick up a sense of like the way he talks and the things that he says and the way that he operates. And, and you, you'll find yourself getting into situations where someone's saying something and you go, that just doesn't sound right. There, I don't know what it is. That doesn't sound right. And that's your little sheepy ears going, that's the voice of the wrong shepherd, run away. And... Uh, and I used to have this saying that I said to our youth group all the time, and I think it really applies here. Is I would always tell them that the more you surround yourself with lies, the harder it is to recognize the truth. And the more you surround yourself with truth, the easier it is to recognize the lies, right? Um, we know that to be true, and the same thing applies with, with this. The more you surround yourself with the voices of false teaching and false shepherds, the harder it is for you to recognize the voice of the true shepherd. You just get caught up in the mess of everything. But the more you surround yourself with the voice of the true shepherd, you know his voice. It's much easier to go through the world and be like, that's not quite right. That one's not. You recognize the voices of the false shepherds. And so the encouragement is, Stay in God's word, learn the voice of the shepherd and recognize it. And then when you hear the false shepherds and the false teachers, run away. Because the other question that this really forces on us is the question like, who are we following? I mean, are are we going to follow the good shepherd or are we going to follow the the false shepherds? Right? Are we going to follow those who are leading us towards death and destruction? Or are we going to follow those who, or him, the good shepherd, who says, I came so that you would have life, would have it abundantly? Or, or are we going to follow those who, the moment things get hard or the moment things get difficult, the moment they have to lay their neck on the line, are going to run and leave you high and dry? Which is every celebrity. <laughs> Almost. Are we going to follow them? Or are you going to follow the good shepherd who said, no, I see the difficulty ahead of me. I see the pain. I see the agony. And I'm going to walk into it and lay down my life so that you could have abundant life. Um, you know, the question, the answer is obvious, really. And, and the only reason why it gets kind of foggy is for one, we, we get surrounded by voices and we start to become blind and deaf in the midst of all of this. And so, but Jesus says, my, my true sheep, they will hear my voice and their ears will perk up and, and they'll follow me because they know him, they trust him, they recognize his voice, they know that he's laid down his life for them and so they go, Wherever I hear your voice, wherever I see you leading me, I'm going to go.
because I know you're leading me to abundant life. Let's come to him in prayer. Father, we come to you thankful that you're our shepherd and fully aware that in the midst of this world we are easily led astray. Sometimes we lead ourselves astray. Sometimes in just rebellion we go wandering off to do our own thing. Other times we're led astray by false teachers and false shepherds. And Father, we're thankful. We're given hope and comfort that you are our true shepherd, our good shepherd, who will provide us leadership, who will guide us, who will feed us, who will strengthen us. And Father, we confess to you that we often don't follow you as a shepherd. We don't trust you. We, we listen to false teaching and false voices. We follow false shepherds, and often we make ourselves our own shepherds and go off and do whatever we want to do. And we find ourselves in death and destruction as a result. So, Father, we ask your forgiveness for our own rebellion. We ask your forgiveness for our pride and arrogance. We ask your forgiveness for not recognizing your voice in the midst of this world. And Father, we ask that you not only just forgive us, but you ask that your spirit would move and work in us to open our ears to truly hear your voice in the world and open our eyes to truly see you leading us and to transform our hearts so that we long for and desire to follow you as the true shepherd in the world. And Father, may we follow you as you lead us to green pastures, but may we follow you as you lead us through valleys of shadows of death and lead us through enemies. But may we continue to follow you knowing that your rod and your staff comfort us and that your grace and your mercy will follow us all the days of our lives. All God's people said, Amen. Amen.